So then. If you awaken from this illusion, persistence of vision, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Persistence of Vision podcast, the podcast where we talk about books and we persist in our vision of books. <laughs> Therefore the name, cool. Therefore the name. Persist uh, away. My name is LB Dio. And I am Lance Fever Myers. And uh, if you want to see, read more, see more, uh, be more with us, you can go to our website, which is pov-publishing.com. There you can see uh, world-class art by uh, fantastic uh, comic strip artists like myself, yep. like my yep. friend uh, Walt Holcomb. Um, many, 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 many. Um, choices there. Also, you can read uh, selections from really, really fantastic authors like the one we have with us today, Olive Bala. You can also order my book, um, which is called Why So Much by Lance Myers. Or LB, you want to talk about your offering? Yes, we can talk. You can come and purchase uh, my book, The Goddamn Fool, which is a very magnificent novel. If you haven't read it- I can attest to that. You should be ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this is a brand new format for us. Uh, we have, uh, oh, okay. So pov-publishing.com also has all of our past podcasts there. Um, yes. And they're all audio in form until today. Uh, the pandemic has brought a lot of huge shifts to our lives. And this is one of them that our podcast now has video. Yes. <laughs> pandemic has done so many good things. And this is just one of them. The other thing that's very different about this podcast is that I correct me if I'm wrong. I might be wrong about this. I think this is the first time we've had a return guest. It's the first time we've had a return guest per se. We have had uh, Joe Hoppy Joe and Hoppy David was, Moses right. came back to the show, but in the capacity of temporary host. As guest host. That's right. That's right. But this is the first time we've had a return guest to talk about her own work for sure. Yes. And who better than Olive Bala, the novelist from Albuquerque, New Mexico, who has just put out her second published novel? Third. A third published novel, but yes. pardon. The second yes. to, to me. Yes. Uh, an arm and a leg. So, Olive, welcome to the show. We're delighted to have you here. So, Thank yeah, you, guys. Arm and a leg was her first. Jilly yes. was her second. Oh! Yes. Code Murder. Code Murder. It's the one you've been reading, LB. Oh, it is. Yes. Code <laughs> well, murder. I'm, I'm interested to hear that. So, um, yeah, uh, Olive, what do you have to say for yourself? Uh, well, okay, where do you want me to start? I was born in <laughs> Roswell, New Mexico, just a few months after the alien landing. That explains a lot. That's what my kids have said all my life, yes. Um, however, I, I like to think of hold, holding something in reserve when I turn 80, then the world better look out. <laughs> there you go. But uh, but anyway, I like it. That's... I like it. <laughs> well, see, okay, so we've had uh, Olive before. We had her a little over, I would want to say like a year and a half ago, uh, which was shortly after your second novel was published on uh, R- Wild Rose. Yes, Wild Press. Rose Press. Yes, Wild yep. Rose Press. And yep. uh, so that second novel was Jilly. Now, was yes. the first, they, all three have been on Wild Rose Press, correct? That's that's correct. That's right. Okay, so Arm and Leg was first. Jilly was second. That was released uh, in summer of 2019. 
I'm right? impressed. And, and that's when that's when we had you on, and it was a wonderful talk. And at that time, you were you mentioned that you were already writing this one. Yes. Um, and and it was uh, uh, you know of course it's it's based on uh, two characters from Jilly. Yes. Yes. That's okay. Correct. I'm just going to just say a bunch of facts and you can just say yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. And I'm going to interject a fact here, which is that I read an arm and a leg. So oh, I think did. we should probably oh. discuss, we should discuss both of those. Books let's just let's because, discuss all three. How yeah, we've just, we've all read, uh, between the three of us, we've read all three. And uh, <laughs> just because Code Murder is the first, is the most recent out doesn't mean that the other novels should be forgotten by any means. How cool. Uh, and Thank so you. let's let's chat about all of them. Absolutely. By the way, number four is uh, is about halfway done, and oh it's called gosh. Murder in Amber. And when it comes out, I'll let you guys know. Of course, That's, that I'll was going to be. Back. Yeah, well, my next question was. Uh, so since we talked to you uh, when Jilly came out, this one was underway. Now we're talk we're talking about Code Murder, and you've got another. So, but. Um, so just so the audience knows, of course, there's a lot to be to talk about here, a lot to unpack. The uh so Jilly had two characters named Dix and Lil. Yes. And uh and they are the main characters in this one. So talk to us about that. How did that come about? Well, I uh actually I had several people who read Jilly tell me, hey, you gotta do something with Dix and Lil. They they liked them. Um, in fact, they kind of I think they took a little bit of the limelight from actually from Jilly, who was my primary, uh, my protagonist in Jilly. But, uh, but that's exactly what happened. Then I started thinking about it. And actually those two women are amalgamated, I, I guess I'd call them amalgamations of people I've actually known, uh, including family members. Um, just they, they are, really reflective of uh, people I knew growing up. So anyway, it's just been a lot of fun. They also part, I have to be honest, they are partly the dichotomy I see in myself. Ah. I guess every writer includes stuff, their stuff. And that's yes. part of my of stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. So Dix and Lil were the, uh, the heroic uh, twosome who came to uh, your main character's aid. That's in, right, Jilly. In, in Jilly. And, yes. uh, and now they're back to solve more crimes. Sort of. They, it got foisted upon them. They really didn't intend to get involved in this. But you know, if you've read, if you, if you learned anything from Dix and Lil in Jilly, then you learn that Dix um, picks up strays. Uh, Lil is uh, just um, does not like anything about the world or the people in it. And so they really are, uh, I think, foils for each other. <laughs> but um, but anyway, so I, yes, Dix, I Dix I was... can't help but help, even though Lil is telling her the whole time, stop it. You know, stuff <laughs> happens. Leave it alone. Yeah. Yes. Well, I think I was one of the ones that that had mentioned how much I well maybe not in time to inspire you to write about them, but I certainly when I was reading uh, Jilly, like like most of your readers, I'm sure, we, I, I thought Dix and Lil were perfect characters for a spinoff, if you <laughs> if you will. Cool. So yeah, it's really cool. Now, how do you do you when people ask you or do you ever volunteer the idea that this is maybe sort of a sequel? Would you use that word sequel? 
Uh, I have not, I have had people mention that to me, the possibility of doing a sequel. This, the one I'm on now, number four, Murder in Amber, is not a sequel. But I've had people say, you really need to do more with Dix and Lil. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's possible that, that I would, that I would do a, another one. But you wouldn't call. About it. I've, I've, believe it or not, I've actually had someone tell me uh, if you wanted to refer back to Arm and a Leg, uh, Bellamy, my really, really bad guy, in that one, someone said, hey, you need to write a prequel to oh, Arm and a Leg yeah. and make Bellamy the, you know, the, 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 some way to explain why he turned out to be such a, a butt nugget, I guess. <laughs> yes, Bellin, Bellamy is the villain from uh, from Arm and a Leg, who is yes. uh, about as sinister as people come. I think so. I I knew somebody like that once. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, wow! Well, I was getting, yeah. One of my uh, questions was going to be about like your relationship to your characters, but before before we get into that, um, I, I want to back up a little bit and say. Uh, to anyone out there who's listening or watching our podcast and has never read any of Olive's work, uh, so tell us, would you call this, it's not, it's kind of a thriller, right? It's not uh, uh, horror per se, but your right. genre is very, I mean, they're, all three are very dark books in a sense. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's some like definite villainy in, in you know, your antagonists. Yeah, they're not cozies um, <laughs> at all. I guess, um, but but yeah, I think they're they're fa fairly dark. But my uh, genre has been what my publisher has deemed my genre is mainline mystery slash suspense. Okay, that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. So. Yes, but uh, yeah, I, I I suppose that's right, and and uh, and yet I would yeah, as 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 Lance may be implying, we should let our audience know that they must not be. Deceived by your uh, radiant sweetness and benevolence. <laughs> oh, you thinking, mean the fact that I'm a grandmother of eleven and a great grandmother to seven? Uh, precisely <laughs> that, and 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 your just general demeanor, uh, and and uh, your sense of humor, etc. That into thinking that these books are uh, are anything other than than descents into madness and nightmarish <laughs> violence. Uh, cool. right. That's right. Well said. Well said. There's a yeah. lot of uh, dismemberment and, and strange. Uh, I mean, I, one of the <laughs> best moments of this new book, I don't want to, spoiler alert, I don't want to get too much of a spoiler here, but uh, the heart thing that, um, can I, can I describe the heart? Sure. sure. Yeah. So, so someone wants to uh, frame another person uh, for murder so for their murder, yeah. Right, right, for their murder. So she has stem cells from her own body harvested and made into a, a and, and 3D printed into a heart. And then right. she's gonna use that as planted evidence that, that somebody had murdered her. And then the DNA will check out. So it's yes. pretty intense stuff. And then of course, LB, you just read Arm and a Leg. That has has to do with some oh, it's a macabre subject matter. It reminds me uh, a little bit of the writing of uh, James Elroy, whom audience members who haven't read his books might know from the movie L.A. Confidential. He was the author of the book that that movie was based on. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's just sort of a relentless 
bloody, blood splattered chainsaw rod. Oh, now hell. you're just trying to make me feel good. <laughs> I mean, the violence starts immediately and it's could not be more cold blooded or or uh, exciting. I mean, it's delightful. Well, I, I actually have uh, have had people there was I'll, let me just get this real quick example of, of, of after arm and a leg came out. Uh, one of the women at my church uh, bought a copy and asked me to sign it. And she had just started it. And she said, oh, I am so enjoying this. Then the next week when I saw her, she she had this kind of <clears throat> uh, blank look on her face. And she said, it got gory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. great. That's she great. must have been on page one, paragraph one, <laughs> before she discovered it got gory. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've, I've been told that I probably could write horror, but I don't like horror. You know, Stephen King does great. It's not my thing. Mm. So I'll, I'll but, just call it mystery and write gore. Yes. There you go. Well, you know, um, but I, I think after reading An Arm and a Leg, I probably would have expected more supernatural out of uh subsequent books but you haven't yeah. you haven't really done as much with the supernatural as you did no i i didn't the next two this one that's coming out now has just a taste of it uh so yeah okay I, that's interesting that you would mention that i've had other people mention that they actually liked that i had a interesting thing uh, a young man who has a terminal diagnosis who read uh arm and a leg and who said he thought it was beautiful and that it gave him hope. Oh, yes. Yeah. That surprised me. I never would have thought something like that would come of that. Book. Right, right. Well, I wouldn't, you know, uh, they're not all <laughs> dark, doom and gloom. I mean, you do give us hope. There is, it's, you know, it's, it's certainly not a one note thing that you're doing with your writing. Um, they're, they're the, the, uh, I mean, Dix and Lil are spunky and funny and cool. And, uh, so it's not all like darkness. It's, uh, it's, um, you know, like, it's sort of like, uh, uh, the underdog facing, you know, like these, uh, older women who don't seek it out, but somehow it's been forced on the darkness yeah. and, and their spunk and their grit is definitely a, a ray of hope, I think. Oh, thank Certainly. you. That's cool. I like yeah. that. Yeah, that, I, and I, I hope I haven't implied that there wasn't uh, that hope and that sense of there's there's lightness, there's humor, uh, in abundance, and uh, and yes, well, the characters are lovable, which is only, you know, enhances the dread when they run into these right. serious problems that they run that, into. Yeah, that yeah. that was the intention. I'm glad you caught that. Let me let me say something quickly about Dix and Lil. They are in their sixties. Um, I actually had a woman who's just turned 80 say to me, you need not to write about those old women anymore. Nobody oh. wants to read about old women. <laughs> well, they never watched that show. What is it with the with the all of the gals? Uh, Golden Girls? Golden yeah, Girls. Well, that one, too. <laughs> there are a couple that are that are fairly popular. But um, but I but yeah, now that you mention it, I have I have given some thought to doing. Uh, and a third about Dix and Lil. I'll have to think about that. It's it's fun to write about them. I enjoy it. You know, I think it could be a great series. You know, like a, a instead of a you know a Nancy Drew, you've got the you know you got your Dix and Lil <laughs> series. You know, I think that's, okay, that's a great idea. 
Um, but I wanted to ask you, so when we talked to you last time, uh, I think we, you know, for anybody out there, again, our website is pov-publishing.com. You can find the the podcast that, that we had with uh, Olive before. And of course, the world was a very different place, uh, you know, a year and a half ago. Um, can you tell us what, what was it like? Uh, well, okay, first of all, when did you finish the book? Did you finish it before the world changed? <laughs> yes, I did. Okay. Uh, and in fact, um, I, the publisher had it for like eight months before mm. they released it. So it, it was done well before the world changed, as you said. Um, my son says, when the world stops ending, then we can get back to, <laughs> right. to yeah. life. But yeah. yeah, it was well before. And so what was it like? What was the difference between releasing a book, you know, summer of 2019 and then releasing this one in uh, October of 2020? Well, I that's interesting because uh, the world, my world has not changed much. Mm -hmm. I live south of Albuquerque in a village. Um, I, my husband and I don't get out a whole lot other than to go see family. Uh, so my lifestyle, per se, hasn't changed much other than the fact that I get hungry to hold on to my grandkids <laughs> and my great. Oh, sure, sure, sure. But but releasing the book, I, I think that what's happening, it, and I'm seeing this uh, as I look online, people are, writers, authors, are pouncing on this pandemic as a time to write things about pandemics, to write you know, to, to in just kind of engender their own writing with, okay, this is what's happening right now, and this is how I want to deal with it. Yeah, I don't feel compelled to do that. My primary thrust in writing is escapism. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. don't need reality. Thank you very much. Been there. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, interesting. So I, yeah, that's escape interesting. into the extreme darkness of. of <laughs> Man from humanity to man. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, there's, I guess, extreme darkness, but um, I could only read about the first couple of chapters of Stephen King's It because it scared the bejeebers out of me. I could, uh. not, I could not read that. So I don't think, however, you know, with arm and a leg, my sis, my own sister said, yeah, it's gory. You got somebody messing around with a dead body. Excuse me, not messing around, but using <laughs> it to escape. Okay, uh -huh. and so, so I guess, yeah, maybe Stephen King doesn't scare himself. I don't scare <laughs> myself. Interesting. Well, so has so you wouldn't say that anything from the past, uh, you know, nine months has really um, affected how how you're writing the new one. Yes, uh, probably not affected my storyline. If anything, it has uh, made me more determined to put a little bit of light element into it. And so even my bad guy has, there's humor. Um, mm -hmm. And I have felt compelled to to put more humor into it because people get enough of the dark side. Sure, sure. The way things are. So. Not me. I can't get enough. <laughs> That's cool. Good for you. Boy, have I got a deal for you. <laughs> <laughs> You mentioned your uh, your son. Uh, you talking about James? Yes. Yes. So I was suspecting as I was reading this, and you can confirm or deny. Uh, <laughs> so in this book, 
Um, Code Murder, I mean, you can tell by the title, of course, there's some tech stuff going on in this book. It's about, uh, uh, you know, cyber currency and, and the like. And, uh, and, and the, you know, a lot of the characters are, are tech savvy people who can manipulate certain things. And, and, and of course, it's all about trying to uh, get the evidence off of a computer or off the cloud, that sort of thing. Tell me, how much uh, of a role did James play as your researcher here? A ton. Yeah, I, I see. I, I guess that much. Tell us about that. Yeah, process. I am a Luddite with a capital L. James is a software architect. Mm. And uh, as such, he knoweth all things tech. <laughs> so right. I, 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 I have to say, it, even the really basic questions um, I would ask him, he did resist rolling his eyes. I was proud of him for that. <laughs> but he gave me all kinds of information. I have my handy dandy little pocket recorder ah. and I would go to his house and sit him down and we would talk for a couple of hours and and he would give me he would answer my questions and made himself available to me and so yes he had a great deal of input his information made a difference can you tell us what you learned in the process what or what maybe surprised you as you learned these things yeah, well, for, for one thing, I had no idea that uh, cyber currency was such a big deal, but it's growing in, in its, uh, you know, people are getting more and more into it. Uh, I guess as monetary systems come and go, it's all basically smoke and mirrors. It's mm -hmm, okay, sure. I, I have this cool little round rock and I think that I could trade you this little round rock for your little piece of bread. How would that work? Okay, well, let's do that. So right. we have we have basically done that with with uh, Bitcoin and some of these other guys. I did. I was very surprised to find out that a couple of over wealthy uh, young men, brothers, in fact, did um, pile several millions of dollars into uh, cryptocurrency. And by doing so, enhanced its value to the point that when they then sold sold out, they made a ton of bucks. Mm -hmm. um, it's so, also yeah. got a got an underside, of course, where the illegal activity tends to be it's fueled by it because they precisely. don't want to deal with real currencies and banks. Absolutely, it's a perfect way to launder money. If any of you out there are interested in doing that, <laughs> it's a great way to do that. So. That was one of them. The, the thing about uh, 3D printing vital organs, that is an actual uh, thing that's happening. It's a thing. Amazing. And it's just not, it's still in the developmental stages. It's not, uh, you can't just go have a lung printed yet. We may be getting there, uh, Star Trekian kind of thought, but but um, anyway. Yeah, that's, how long before that, we can print a person? That's a good question. They can. It's possible to actually print skin. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Flesh, human flesh. So it's just a matter of time, folks. So grab, what? buckle up, <laughs> grab your butts because it is coming. <laughs> that is true. I'm, I'm intrigued by where we're headed and a little bit terrified. <laughs> and it's possible to be a little bit terrified, but. Um, but it's it's a frightening reality, it, but the potential for good is amazing as well. So there well, is that. I'm curious as to, to know what comes first. Is it do you are you coming up with plots that you then um, 
sort of inklings of what may or may not happen in your story and then finding uh you know sort of support for it in the research or are you doing research that then inspires a storyline both uh, it's interesting because i am what what is in writer circles called a pantser uh i write mostly by the seat of my pants but <laughs> i thought you said panzer like a tank you're like a you're a panzer <laughs> oh, oh p-a-n-t-s i'm p-a-n-t <laughs> yeah, I I tend to have a thought, for instance, uh, like with this, uh, with Code Murder, I thought, huh, what if somebody, the actual beginning of Code Murder, that that, that the inciting incident, I think you would call it, uh, that kind of exploded into a story was um, when I was speaking to an emergency uh, room nurse, friend of mine, and I asked her, what is the most bizarre injury you have ever seen? And she said, a professional painter that got a pinhole in his high pressure tank uh, paint line and it shot paint through his hand. Uh Um, It was like a needle. And when they turned on the air compressor, it shot paint through his hand. And then he, uh, it, it became septic, um, and he had to, he lost lost a portion of his hand. But she said it was oh, the weirdest man. thing she had ever seen. So wow. I thought, yeah, what a great way to commit murder. It's kind of chancy. <laughs> I thought, what if you killed somebody by putting a pinhole in their paint? So obviously, I did not follow that to that extreme. After speaking to a, a nephew who's a pathologist and teaches pathology in Dallas. And I asked him, is it possible somebody would die from that? He said, only if it took out a vein or something, took mm-hmm. out, took out a, an artery. But uh, so anyway, changed it up a little bit, but that is the kind of thing that sparks uh, something to, in me. Uh, so- it's great that you have your family as a research department. I have a lot of those. One of one of my main contributors is a young woman named Christine Muncy. I met her when she was a detective with APD, Albuquerque Police. Um, she is now um, a, an investigator in Montana. She has informed all three of my books, and uh, the fourth one is is based on her character. Oh, tremendous. oh wow! She's an amazing woman. Amazing woman. You know, you mentioned money laundering earlier. It made me want to ask you about Breaking Bad. Have you watched Breaking Bad? <laughs> I've seen an, uh, uh, some of it. You've seen yeah, some of it. Seen some of it. I, I'm not addicted as uh, so many people really got into it. But yeah, I've seen some. Yeah. Well, I, obviously, I thought of it because of Albuquerque and and violent organized crime. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we have a little of that. That's yeah. around. <laughs> Interesting. So uh, now that you have three, three and a half, how how do you feel about um, how do you feel about the process of writing? How do you feel about your art? How do you feel like yourself as an artist? Like how if you compare where you are now in your process and and um, and your experience and your wisdom uh, to where you were when you first started an arm and a leg. What do you think you've? Tell us about I'd, that growth. Uh, I'd have to say that there, it's it's a slow metamorphosis. There's no doubt about that. My style has somewhat changed. Um, my process has somewhat 
uh, undergone a little bit of, I've reevaluated as time goes with every, with every one. There are things that come easier as one gets into the repeat process, but there are some things that are uh, just frustrating and, and tough and you just have to work your way through, or at least that has been that way with me. One of the, one of the frustrations to me has been that the publishing process and how long it takes. Uh, if you are an unknown, um, if, if you're not a politician and you're gonna deliver the dirt on somebody uh, kind of thing, if, you're, if, you're, if you have a television show or, or you have some name recognition, you have a lot better chance of actually getting published. Yes. But, but there is so much out there um, that is self-published. Um, I know people who have the Kindle Unlimited and they get free, free books. They read free books, and I have read a few. I don't uh, take. I, I this is gonna. No matter how I say it, this is not gonna sound good. <laughs> I don't. I'm not willing to give up an hour or two of my life to read some of that. Yeah. And so I strive every time I write something. My desire is that people will simply enjoy reading it. And when they finished it, they'll be able to say, okay, yeah, that was worth the hours out of my life. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a laudable goal. Uh, it's an interesting thing to think about self-publishing, to think about free ebooks. Uh, I remember many, many years ago, a friend of ours named Simon uh, said that he thought that it was actually important that things have a monetary value because people cannot choose but apply other value to things that have monetary value. And what we give away for free, yeah. people will accept as worthless. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I think that's absolutely right. Right on the money. Yeah. Um, we, I we think that's one of the main reasons to charge money for your work is actually yeah. to enhance the experience yeah. of people who are enjoying it. Well, you know, I have I have a whole toe sack full of, of cliches, and one of them is you get what you pay for. Um, however, having said that, it is pretty dadgum expensive to order a book online nowadays. I mean, any books, printed books are expensive. True. Um, and so I'm really, really thrilled that Kindle is available and that Nook, uh, that you can actually get books online that are actually what we used to pay for a, a paperback now yeah. is Kindle. Um, and so the frustrating thing to me is that somebody somewhere is making a pile of bucks off of people. Um, but it's, uh, it, it, it's, that's what you do. You have to, you have to go within the process. Is his name yes. Jeff, Jeff Bezos? Was it? So <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about, <laughs> um, so, but no, I want to, I want to hold your feet to the fire here. And I, I want to know what you have learned. I want to go. I'm, I'm going to take you back to this question. Oh, okay. What, what I, I want, I want to, I want a lesson, Olive. <laughs> I want a lesson. All right. Tell us, All tell right. Us what, what you think has th that you are doing now that you didn't do before, and it has enhanced your uh, your work. Okay, that's good. That's a good question. I think that part of it is, of course, the bottom line is you have to write well. Um, you, one has to 
Fifty Shades of Grey notwithstanding. One wants to do one's own best work. And that means, okay, there's a learning curve involved. I have to make sure my grammar is good. I have to make sure my sentence structure is on. I can't have dangling participles. So all of the grammar stuff, I've progressively uh, gotten, I believe, I've tried to get tighter and tighter with my writing. That's one. Verbosity doesn't work, especially now. People want instant everything. And so yes. verbosity doesn't cut it. Have you ever read in uh, Jane Austen? I mean, you're talking about people who the first five or six chapters are backstory. Nobody is going to get into that mm-hmm. anymore. You have to you have to get. My problem is. I like describing things. I like describing the world where my characters are peopling. And (laughs) I want people to get that. But nobody gives a rip. Uh, They want little snippets. They want to know the character. But they don't want that all in the first five pages. In fact, if you don't have somebody killed in the first page or two, you've lost them already. So that's one thing I have learned. I love it. I love it. That's, you know what, as you were saying that, I was thinking, yep, yep, yep. You know what, when, when I knew that I was going to get your book, I knew (laughs) 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 as soon as I opened the the book, I was going to be like, the ride was going to start. It's like a rock and roller coaster at Disney world. It's like, as soon as they strap you in, that's going to hit top (laughs) speed, like in the first 10 seconds. uh, Absolutely. Contrast that with the great quote about, uh, Remembrance of Things Past, the Marcel Proust book, where it takes uh, 100 pages for the narrator to roll over onto his side. <laughs> yeah, well said. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, some of the James Michener books, quite popular and very informative and very interesting, but three inches thick of describing Hawaii. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. So do you yeah. think that's an actual artistic drawback or do you think it's more a question of pleasing the market? Oh, absolutely. The marketplace depends on one's goal as a writer. If I said, I don't care if anybody reads my book, that would absolutely be a lie. Why would I want to spend hours of my life writing for uh, for nobody to read? That's the whole goal. But but the other side of that is it's absolutely market driven. There's no doubt about it. People want to read what they want to read. Now, having said that, Marketing 101 says that you make a need and then you fill it. Create a need, then fill it. So so part of what I want to do is to make people think, yeah, I really do need to read that. I just need to read that. I need to get away, and and one of the ways I can do it is to read Murder and Mayhem and Blood and Gore by Olive Bala. That would be yes. cool. So, well, so uh, but yes, it's market driven as far as publication by a by a publishing house. Um, there's no doubt about that. But we see some people, and they are few and far between. In fact, I probably could list them on one hand, the fingers of one hand, who have actually self-published and done beautifully with a self-published book and sold a ton of them. For instance, Wool, W-O-O-L. This guy self-published 
and he sold a ton of the books. He doesn't have a website. He doesn't do uh, blogging. I mean, all of the marketing stuff that I would rather eat a uh, pill than have to do. I am not a marketing guru, but one just about has to be one nowadays. So there are so many aspects to this that are so different than they were when I was in high school and sent off what I was hoping to be a scathe, a, a scathingly brilliant uh, plot to gun smoke and got a beautiful rejection letter. It's different uh, now. And, and, it, and with the changing, I believe in change. I believe we have to embrace it, but we have to learn about it because some of this stuff comes out of nowhere before you realize, oh, you mean I can't do that anymore? No, nah, not if you want to get somewhere. You can't do that anymore. Well, I hope that, that we're helping here uh, by getting the word out. Um, everyone, you do need to read Olive Bala. You do That's need right. to uh, to see that that murder happen in the first few pages. You do need this in your life. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's true. So, so get the book. And, Thank you, Lance. Uh, LB, I, I do hear some thunder in the background. I do. I hear thunder, too, and I notice that the sky has grown dark. All the way over on the other side of town, that's happening. What about you, Olive? Are you hearing any thunder? Bright and sunny. Nothing going on here. Hmm. Interesting. Nevertheless, I think... We go by the local weather here in Austin. That's right. (laughs) Yes. You can't escape the lightning round, Olive. You You can deny, 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 but it's coming. All right. Okay, here we go. Now, so, okay, uh, again, I need to explain uh, that in the past, we have uh, hit our guests with a barrage, a, a battery of uh, of questions, but they've always been the same question. And it occurred to me that this is the first time we've had a return guest, and so we had to mix it up. And so this will be the first time that we have a brand new set of questions for the lightning round. So here it comes. You ready? I am. What was the last book that you read? The Spanish Flu, a history <laughs> from beginning to end. Copyright 2020. It's uh, it's on Kindle. It's a very short little history. History is not my thing, but I just felt compelled to read about it in light of what's happening right now. So that's the, the latest one I've read. Great answer. That's a perfect answer. Um, okay, so uh, name an author um, that you admire or would like to be like. Sue Grafton. Uh, she has written the Alphabet series, A for Alibi, etc. Kinsey yes. Milhone is her her protagonist. She's a detective, uh, used to be a police officer, and then she opens up her own detective agency. But I like Sue Grafton um, because she is prolific. She tells great stories with strong female characters, uh, and and I just I'm drawn to her stuff. She's there is no Z yet, but she has written everything up in two Z. Okay, okay, fantastic. Uh, what genre are you most drawn to? Well, I don't want to lie. I love mysteries, but I also enjoy science fiction. Okay. Uh, although at last count on Google, there are at least 14 main genres and dozens of sub genres. So I really can't honestly say I've tried them all. That's um, science fiction. That, but there may be, yeah, but there may be a hidden jewel in there somewhere that would uh, rock my boat. I don't know. But um, but you didn't ask my two least favorite genres. I'm going to stick it in there real quick. <laughs> Historical nonfiction and horror. I don't nonfiction because I don't need more reality and horror because I don't need more reality. <laughs> That's really interesting. That coming from you who you. OK, so you but I, I think that the horror 
and the mystery are kind of cousins in there. Like sometimes there's an overlap, the, the mist, the suspense and the, you know, with murder and everything. It is funny how we deal with murder in sort of a, uh, in a different way when it's, when it's just a thriller, when it's a whodunit, it's almost quaint and fun. You know, as opposed yeah, Agatha to Christie horror. is kind <laughs> yeah. of thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's yes. a puzzle. Yeah. Right. And by the way, you, you will have noticed that there's a little bit of a discrepancy. I said I don't like history, and then I said I read the Spanish right. flu book. So um I'm also a great liar. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably very helpful as a writer. Has been. fiction. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, uh name a book that you wish that you had written. Okay, I think everybody would probably immediately say Harry Potter, but that not not for me. Hmm. Um, at the risk of coming across as stodgy, uh, there are only a few books, the writing of which would allow me to stay comfortable inside my writer's skin. Hmm. Besides Sue Grafton's Luscious Mysteries, I probably would have been happy to write anything by Agatha Christie. Ah, yeah. oh, nice. Good answer. Okay, so, uh, and, and LB contributed this one. Book you wish that you were a character in? Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Who would you I, like I to be? I love the or warm yourself? friendships. Sorry? Would you want to be yourself or one of the existing characters? I want to be Pooh. Uh -huh. <laughs> Absolutely. Because of the warm friendships, the, the life lessons that they reflect. And, and uh, Pooh is ever wise and soft-spoken. And and all about just genuinely caring uh, about his friends, and so yeah, I like I like Winnie the Pooh. Well, that somehow is fitting for our final question. Um, ah. So it usually on the lightning round, we say, okay, the big finale is, uh, had you ever committed any uh, felonies? No, any uh, poet poetry to memory? That was it. Um, no, but this one is, give us your favorite <laughs> your favorite quote or adage. Thank you. <laughs> uh, let me let me just delve into my uh, ever-present bag of forbidden cliches. The first thing that comes into my head is, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Okay. Okay. I like all. that. One. Yeah, that says it. That's that's a good one. That's a great one. <laughs> so, it, with that in mind, uh, you're going to continue to make quality, suspenseful, mysterious dark uh, stories for us to read. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Hopefully, yes. Okay, great. Well, it was really, really great having you again. Well, it's wonderful for you guys to ask me. I just really have enjoyed it. I love seeing your faces, and I really appreciate you asking me on. It's an added bonus, right, that we get to see each other's faces as we yes, talk. It I is. love it. Yes, it uh, is. The, the, the pandemic has brought us maybe one silver lining. You have to squint to see it, but it's there. Ah, well said, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, LB, um, you want to sign us out? With, who are we and what are we doing here? We are the Persistence of Vision podcast, the Persistence of Vision publishing company, uh, publishers of such great books as The Goddamn Fool, Why So Much, uh, and uh, I'm hoping that there will be another Lance Fever novel coming out soon, but I'm not going to give anything away. Uh, also the, the great Christmas story and, uh, not to mention all the comic books, uh, strips that we put up and, and all these podcasts, uh, doing it for all the people on land, sea or air and doing it since two or 19,000 and 
18. Sure. 19,000? Holy moly. Been doing this a long time. <laughs> yes. No, we've been doing it for, for a long time, and we love it. And we love Olive Bala. Thank you so much for being our guest today. Go out and read Olive's books, including her new book, Code Murder, and her older books, uh, An Arm and a Leg and Jilly. So, yeah, and, and her forthcoming book. Read that, too. Even if it hasn't out yet, read it. <laughs> Do it for us. Do it at my at my strong suggestion and recommendation. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate I've it. Been LBDO. I am Lance Fever Myers, and we are out of here. Adios. All right. Bye.